This is a message from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Grace Church is affiliated with Sovereign Grace Ministries. The Grace Church website is www.gracechurchfrisco.org. The speaker for this message is Craig Cabanis, the senior pastor of Grace Church. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, let me just echo Pete's words earlier and, and just say welcome. It's, it's great to have you guys. Uh, it'd probably take us just a little while to get moved in in some areas, so thanks for your patience. We've not been able to uh, duplicate the smell of sour milk in here like we had at Carroll Elementary School, so we're working on that. So uh, it might be a little different. We have not been able to duplicate the discomfort of those hard plastic chairs, but we're working on it. So thanks for uh, being here, and thanks for your patience as we kind of get moved in. But it is fun just to have a place uh, on our way ultimately to Frisco Square, but uh, this is a, a really nice stopping off place. And for those of you who've seen it, it's just amazing to see what all has happened. I mean, this was uh, just kind of ratty offices over here. The other side, we didn't really do much to that. Those were nice and left everything pretty much intact. But over here, uh, this really was a mess. So to see how God changed uh, this through the, through the plans that Ed did and everything else, just may this, may this be a metaphor for people's lives. If you saw it earlier, may lives be changed from a mess to something uh, that is beautiful and inhabits God's presence as his people gather. So I hope that'll be the case here, and I trust it will. Well, we've been going through the book of James, but today we're doing something different because this is kind of a special occasion for us as a church, you know. Um, And so I was thinking a special occasion, moving into our own spot, really deserves a special occasion sermon. And uh, so I've preached at special occasions. I've done weddings, and there you talk about love and marriage and that sort of thing. And I've done funerals, and there you uh, speak of the wonderful hope of heaven. And um, I've spoken at Easter. There you speak about the resurrection. But I've never spoken uh, at a day like today because my wife, Ginger, and I have spent most of our adult life in church plant-type situations. And so um, I'm hoping that's the end of it. I mean, it's been great, but we'd like to plug in long-term here, so we're not planning to move and start another church. That's certainly not in our plans. But... uh, so that's been, we've been a part of setup and takedown. So we haven't been a part of a church um, that had their own building 24-7 since, since 1995. And that was a leased facility. We were a part of a church there. So you, you still had a little bit of a temporary nature to everything. So we haven't been a part of a church that owned its own building since 1988. Uh, and so I really have no idea what to say on an occasion like today because I haven't been at an occasion like today. So this is exciting for us. Our family as it is for all of you to participate. But I thought about it, and I thought it'd probably be good to say something about God. So we're going to do that. And um, I'm just uh, overflow with discernment, so be amazed. But uh, probably should say something about God, and probably should say something from the Bible. Uh, and I was thinking today is really a day where we just feel in our hearts as a church thankful. And uh, so I thought, let's go to the Psalms, because the Psalms are filled with worship and response to God. And uh, The language of thanksgiving is in a lot of psalms, thanking God for stuff. That's all over the psalms. But did you know there's only one psalm that has written that its purpose is for giving thanks? Like today, it's Psalm 100. If you look at the line at the beginning of Psalm 100, it says, a psalm for giving thanks. So God wrote this psalm through a psalmist, inspired a psalmist, and put this in the Bible so that when God's people had an occasion to give thanks, they could use this psalm. 
And uh, we just felt like that's fitting for today. James is wonderful. We love teaching through that. But this is really fitting for where we are, a psalm for giving thanks. And that's what we want to do today is give thanks. So let me read this psalm, and then we will jump into the text and uh, break it apart and apply it. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. God, we come before your word today and we thank you for the scripture which instructs us about all of life, instructs us in how to respond when things are bad and how to respond when things are good. And today we just pray that we as a church would apply this psalm, that we would respond on a good day giving thanks to you for what you've provided for us as a church. God, we pray that you would speak to us through this passage. I pray that you'd give me grace to proclaim this passage in a clear way to serve the wonderful people gathered here. I pray that you would fill us all with your spirit, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us in this text and help us to apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last summer, was it last summer or two? I guess it was two summers ago that we went through the Psalms. Wow, was that last summer, Pete? I don't remember. Two Two summers ago? (laughs) Great. Yeah, boy, that's wonderful. I can't even remember. Was it six months or 18 months ago we taught the Psalms? We went through the Psalms, and we talked about Psalms that were hymns, hymns of praise. And the typical pattern of a hymn of praise is there's an invitation to praise God, and then there's all these reasons listed out to praise God. This, this hymn is a little bit different because it's lots of invitations, and they're commanding invitations, but they're invitations nonetheless. All these invitations to come praise God, four verses of them, and then the reasons for praising God are really kind of highlighted at the end. So this psalm gives us a lot of reasons to come and then gives us explanation at the end. The calls to praise outnumber the reasons for praise in this psalm. One author I read who was writing about this psalm said, that this psalm, for the, those who, heard, who first sang it, those who sang this originally, those who first sang this song, had minds that were well stocked with reasons for praise, especially from their history. So this is a psalm that can be used where we come and we are articulating, this, it's giving us reasons, but we're also articulating from our own lives the faithfulness of God. And I think how appropriate today, for we have great reasons to thank the Lord for all he's done as we've gathered here. So let's look at the invitation to praise, the first four verses, and then the reason for praise, which is verse 5. Invitation to praise, verse 1. And if you're new here, we just walk through the scripture typically verse by verse and try to explain it and apply it uh, as we go. So that's what we're going to do here today. Verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, the NIV translates this, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. So it's a picture of people shouting to the Lord, the king, the one 
the one who rules. It, it might be a kind of a situation that you would see where, you know, the trumpets are blown and the fanfare of the trumpet sound. This is what happens in Psalm 96, probably similar here. Uh, the sounding of the trumpets and a, and a king comes forth and the, the subjects of the king, the people of the nation, applaud and thank the king who rules. And that's kind of what's going on here. But this isn't the king of a locale. This isn't the king of just one small group of people. This isn't a localized deity. This is the God of all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So while the people of God are coming to worship, there's a call to everyone to recognize God is great. He rules over all. He is deserving of all of our praise. He's deserving of us shouting for joy. He's, a, he's worthy of us making a joyful noise to him. I love the way this scripture, you see this all in the Psalms, but I love the way this scripture in particular does not shy away from an appropriate emotional response. You know, I don't know about you and, or maybe your background, and we all come from different backgrounds, but some of us may be from backgrounds where emotion is instantly viewed, religious emotion, is instantly viewed as suspect. And it certainly could be suspect, but in the scripture, emotion and responsive emotion to God is not suspect, it's appropriate. And in this case, the appropriate response for giving thanks, remember that's the first line, he's saying when the church comes together, the people of God come together to give thanks, that a joyful noise is appropriate. A joyful noise is required. A shout is required. Some of you are from churches that shout. Some of you are from churches that would never shout. So, but here, there is a shout that is appropriate at times. Now, that's not the only expression of emotion. I mean, there's times for the people of God to gather and cry. Weeping can be appropriate. There are times to gather and be silent before the Lord. There are times to bow down before the Lord. There are times to clap before the Lord. So, it, this isn't the only emotion. But in this psalm, in giving thanks, the appropriate thing when people come with their minds filled with reasons to thank God is can somebody shout? That is the response of the people of God. Letting out a shout is appropriate, a joyful noise. Then he goes on, serve the Lord with gladness. The NIV translates that, worship the Lord with gladness. So here we have this picture of the people of God coming together, and we know that because even the next phrase says, come into his presence with singing. So it's a picture of people coming to worship the Lord. Verse uh, 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That talks about people coming into the temple to worship. So the usage here is people coming to worship God. They're coming to give thanks, and the first thing they're told to do is they're invited to shout because of what God has done. The second thing they're told is to come and serve the Lord or worship the Lord, and really our service is to be worship, to serve the Lord with gladness. To serve the Lord with gladness. There is a very big difference between serving the Lord and serving the Lord with gladness. Between serving out of obligation and serving with gladness. Those are two very different things. And if you're a parent, you know how that works with your kids. Because there's a very big difference between... Um, well, for instance, if you tell your children, uh, say you've got a young child, and you tell them to please pick up your toys. Now, that, that request, that command can, can be executed 
in a number of different ways by said child, can it not? So those toys can be picked up with a good attitude, with a response like, yes, dad, or yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, or what. So there can, it can be done cheerfully and serve with gladness, or it can be done with sort of the slumped shoulders, sort of, you know, scarecrow kind of, you know, go over here where <laughs> instant uh, jelly body or whatever, pick it up, <sighs> hyperventilating, picking up the toy and throwing it, okay? At the end of the day, the toys all got picked up. But, but as a parent, you know, which, which process are you more grateful for? You're never going to be, well, at least they got up. You know, I don't care about the scarecrow huffing and puffing across the room. At least the room's clean. That would not be what you would think. You'd be grieved at one level, right? You know, uh, because you're hoping that your child is learning to honor the Lord by honoring his mother and father and responding with a joyful heart. And the same is true before the Lord. It's not enough to serve God. God God is not just for getting the toys picked up off the floor. God's not just wanting religious services to get done. You know, God's not, his attitude is just not, man, if they can just make it through those songs and listen to the kind of winded guy up there yell at them for a little while and then go home, I'm happy. As if God needs people just coming and religiously going through some kind of exercises to check it off their box. That is not pleasing to the Lord. The Lord wants us to serve him with gladness, voluntarily, happily, joyfully, because he is worthy of a happy heart. He is worthy of our joy because there is no treasure in life greater than God. There is no one more precious than the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we consider what he has done for us by giving his life on the cross, Jesus, to pay for our sins and then being raised to new life so that we have a new life. When we consider all that he's done for us, it is to birth a happiness in our hearts that not that we have to serve, but that we get to serve. Not that we've got to go through the service or make it to the meeting, but we get to join the people of God and serve him with gladness, realizing that we could have woken up this morning under the wrath of God, responsible for, to pay the price for all of our sins. But instead, if you're a Christian, you woke up today with all of your sins forgiven, with God Almighty's face shining down on you in blessing, with not one sin being held against you, but invited and welcomed to join the people of God and come with singing in joy today. I mean, what better news is that? There are suffering people in this room and in our church. There are people going through hard times. But none of us are enduring anything so hard that this good news cannot produce joy in our hearts. The good news that your sins are forgiven because God himself has taken upon himself in Jesus Christ. And so serving is, their attitude of serving should be, are you kidding me? I get to participate with the people of God. I get to sing to God. I get to hear God speak to me through his word. I, I get to talk with people that love the Lord. People that, like me, are struggling and messed up in a lot of different areas and are sinful, but growing in the Lord. I get to be a part of a family where there's grace and forgiveness and encouragement and help, where we're in this thing together and God is working in our lives. That's reason to serve with gladness rather than to serve by obligation alone. And I really want to take a moment as, as we talk about this invitation to serve, this invitation to worship God, and just commend you as a church. 
because for four plus years, uh, more yeah, more than four years, but four plus, as you came early and set up and took a gym and turned it into a children's ministry place with classrooms and all kinds of stuff, you know, as you taught children's ministry in hallways, as you came early and set up sound equipment early in the morning and stayed late taking it down, which was really difficult in the fall for a number of people who wanted to be home watching football, and you stayed and took down the really back-breaking labor. But I would say the overall testimony of the previous years um, of observing different folks in a lot of different venues is just serving with gladness. So thank you for serving with gladness. It wasn't ever about just getting the stuff set up and taken down. It's about honoring the Lord as we do that. And may we continue to do that now that we're here. I mean, there's not as many of those kinds of things to do, but there's still a lot of things to do. And may God guard us. I really pray that he guards us from just, now that we have a spot to meet 24-7, to just kind of getting comfortable. I mean, there's something about that edge of we got to get up and set it all up, and you don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to sound, how it's, the room's going to smell. What, are we going to have lights on? I mean, we didn't have power a few weeks ago. We couldn't even meet. What's going to happen? You're always kind of dependent in limbo because there's some craziness happening when you're meeting in an elementary school. I mean, there's something that we would miss that experience of the unexpected, the dependence on the Lord, the serving the Lord with gladness. They're getting up early because it matters to set up chairs and to roll cords because the gospel is going to sound forth and people are going to sing praises to God. So let's serve him with gladness. I mean, we need to, I don't know if we need to think up some new stuff to do, but I just, I hope we don't lose that attitude of I'm here to serve rather than to be served. But you have served tremendously, so thank you, thank you, thank you for doing so. Worship the Lord with gladness. Look what it says next. And come into his presence with singing. We're to come before our great king with a song. That's the attitude here when there's a season of thanksgiving, to come before God with singing. I I love the phrase here in the text, to come into his presence. Come into his presence. When we gather here, God is here. You know, not because of the structure, but because his people are gathered. When we gather here, God is present. God's listening. God's here by his spirit, moving and acting in people's hearts and lives. And so we're to come before him with singing, knowing that God is here. We're not just kind of mindlessly working through some lyrics up on on the wall. We are here singing to God who is listening. God is present. God is present to speak to us every time we gather. This is a reason to come with joy. God is present to speak. God is present to teach. God is present to encourage. God is present to save. There are some of you in the room today that may not know Christ as your Savior, and you are, you are headed towards an eternity apart from Him. Your life is threadbare. I mean, you are you're walking through difficulties And God, maybe today, is going to rescue you, as we sang about, out of that and grant you new life. God is present to save. God is present to heal. God is present to convict of sin. God is present to encourage. God is present to comfort people every time we gather. We're not coming just to go to a church meeting. We're coming into the presence of God. There's a, there's a difference there that's worth noting. Come into his presence with singing. He's not only present to actively do all those things, he's present to hear as well. 
And so we sing to God. We proclaim his goodness. We tell God we love him. We proclaim how wonderful Jesus is for all that he's done. We glorify God. God has given us a voice and given us a range of musical ability, moving from none to a lot. But whatever it is, anybody can make a noise, and that's what the Scripture says here, joyful noise. So we come, we use our voices, and we sing about the greatness of God, see? So come into his presence singing with joy, for he is glorious. It's probably the most frequent um, expression of of worship in the Psalms. You know, there's all kinds of expressions, but probably the most common is singing. So the Lord is blessed when people sing about what he has done and seek to glorify him. Not only that, but verse 3, we are to come and know that the Lord is good. So the people of God gather to give thanks. What do they do? They make a joyful noise. They worship and serve with a glad heart. They come with singing, but they also come knowing something. And this is important because to know is the prerequisite of praise. We, we, we praise because we know God. We know of what God has done. We know him personally. Know that the Lord is God. He is God. So when we come, we're saying the Lord Jesus Christ is the one God. He is true. He rules. He reigns. There's no rival to his throne. There's no challenger to God. There's no one like our God. So come knowing of whom we are listening to through his scripture, whom we are singing to. We're we're worshiping God who's present. This word to know is sometimes translated to acknowledge. Now, some translations, not the ESV, actually say acknowledge the Lord that he is God. And it kind of carries the idea that we are to consider, that we are to intentionally think. Uh, To acknowledge someone or something is not to be passive, but to actively think about who they are. So when we come and gather with the people of God, when we worship here, or maybe you're visiting from another church, when you worship with your congregation, uh, we're to come acknowledging who God is, thinking about what he's done, actively, in our minds, engaging with what we're singing, what we're praying, what we're hearing preached, um, to acknowledge the, that, that the Lord is the one God. So we come here to recognize, to confess who he is. We want to avoid ever coming with just an attitude of familiarity. But rather, we want our, our minds engaged with who God is, what he's done. And what his attribute, what his character is. Not only do we come to the only God, we come to the creator God. Look at what it says. It is he who made us and we are his. Wow, that's powerful. Every time we gather, we are to recognize we're here for him. He created us. He owns us. We're here not for Grace Church or not for our own recognition or reputation. We're here for him. He created us. He made us. He owns us. So the people of God come saying, God, you, we're here for you. That's one of the things I love just about this facility and this room is that this, this space here allows us to gather and say, God, we are here for you. We're here. This is about you. And you've given us a spot that we can come together and that we can celebrate who you are. And what you've done. We are his people, it says, the sheep of his pasture. He's the shepherd and we're the sheep. That really 
causes us to remember that Christ has saved us. See, the scripture says, Isaiah says, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and every one of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all, our sins, iniquity of sin. So the picture is we've all gone away. We've wandered away from God, every one of us by nature, and God took our sins and placed them on Jesus Christ who died in our place, laid our sins upon him so that we could be brought back into God's sheepfold, so that we could be brought to God in relationship with him. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. The only reason we are his sheep, and that's a metaphor, you know, frankly, that's foreign to most of us living, you know, in North Dallas up here. We don't think about shepherds and sheep too much, but that's a very common picture in the Bible that we were these wandering sheep who were pursuing our thoughts, our ways, our desires. We weren't submitted to the Scripture. We were submitted to us doing what we wanted. But Christ died in our place paying for all those sins and was resurrected to new life. And now if we turn to him, turn from our sins and turn to Jesus Christ, believing that he's the one who died for us, then we're brought back into relationship with God. And that's a reason to sing. That's a reason to shout. That's a reason to come into his presence with singing and to come knowing something. If we really know, if we really recognize, if we really acknowledge, if we really consider and meditate upon verse 3, God alone is God. He is the creator who made us. We belong to him. We not only belong to him because he made us, we belong to him because he saved us too in Jesus Christ. And we are his people. We're connected to to him and to his people. Our sins are forgiven so we can come before him with joy in our hearts for those truths. But we don't come just to shout meaninglessly. We don't come just to sing without a theme and a purpose. We come because we know what verse 3 says. He is God. He's the creator. He's the savior. Then verse 4 talks about thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is a picture of the temple. And so there were gates outside the temple. And so When you came to the gates, you're to be thanking God. Be thanking God, right? Sometimes we don't think that way. Sometimes it's just driving, pulling right up to the gates, swatting the kid in the back seat, you know, whatever it is. Oftentimes it's not Thanksgiving until we put on our church face once we come in this room, right? But sometimes the reality is on the way we're coming into the gates you know, finding out that not everybody has their shoes on and, uh, you know, and ever, haywire, we forgot this and whatever's happening. And, oh, was I supposed to serve in children's ministry today? And so there can be all kinds of stuff getting to here. I know that. But God wants us to have an attitude that we enter the gate, that we're, we're thankful when we're pulling into the parking lot. I mean, we're waking up, Lord, we get to meet you. We're thankful in the morning. We're joyful in the process by God's grace because of who he is and what we get to do. We're driving, and man, when we're coming into the gates of this place, we're giving thanks to the Lord. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Now, this is describing the actual temple where there was kind of gradations of how far you could go in worshiping God. Um, You know, there was the outer courts, there was inner courts, there were gates. So there was different levels that you could go to a certain, you could go uh, into the temple at a certain level based on if you were a Gentile or a Jew, uh, male or female, uh, priest or non-priest. So the priest could go the farthest end. And then there was a holy of holies where only the high priest went in and that once a, day, once a year. 
at the Day of Atonement. So there was all of these kind of different levels. Well, now, once Christ has come, the, temp, the, the, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the other priests and the men, the women, the Gentiles, all the way out, that was torn so that everyone who's in Jesus Christ, everyone who's believed, has total access to God. There's not this sort of gradation. And, and as well, at the day of Pentecost, God pours out his spirit upon the church. So his presence isn't unique to a religious building as it was in the temple. His presence is in his people. So when his people gather, there is the presence of God. When his people gather, that is the holy gathering and not the building that they gather in. So the temple had a unique place um, because God inhabited it in the Holy of Holies in a unique way. Church buildings today don't have that same unique uh, presence. God's not more here than he is somewhere else. For instance, God's not more here as we gather and sing and preach and listen than he was at Carroll Elementary School. You know, if not, wow, that was a bad four years. Why didn't we get over here sooner, you know? It's the people who gather in the presence of God that make the difference, not the structure. And, And for that reason, it's probably best to call this room something besides a sanctuary. Now, I'm not going to be the word police. I don't think I'm going to ever correct anybody who calls it a sanctuary. It's really what do you mean by that and not what the term itself is. But what the Bible means by that is that certain spaces are sacred and God dwells there in a unique way, which is true under the Old Covenant. For instance, the first time the word sanctuary is ever used in the Bible um, is in Exodus 25, the first time it's ever used to refer to a building. And this is what God said. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So build a building so that I will uniquely dwell with my covenant people. There are no buildings like that now. God is present if you meet in a cave, uh, if you meet in secret, you know, in China. If you meet in an elementary school, if you meet in a stadium, if you meet in a building with stained glass or no stained glass, wherever the people of God gather, there is the presence of God. There is the worship of God. The, there, the, uh, the, when you gather in your care group in a living room, that's a sanctuary experience because God is present with you. So again, we're not trying to be the word police here, but we do want to, uh, we do want to clarify any misconception that now we could be like a real church because now God's going to show up because we have like a building. That, that's just not true. God shows up when his people gather. So a great name for this, I suppose you could call it a number of things, multi-purpose room, all kinds of stuff. That's a little clunky. Auditorium's a great name. And, and the reason that is is because auditorium literally means a place to hear. That's what an auditorium literally means. And so when we gather we gather to hear from God. God speaks to us from, our, from his word. And you know what this psalm tells us? That when we gather, God hears from us as well. Come into his presence with singing. So we're here to listen to God from his scripture, and then we're here to respond to God with prayers, with praise, with singing, and hear shouting and clapping and everything. We're here to respond to God. So this is a place where the people of God gather and to hear. So... I'm going to put my soapbox away. I'll probably never address that topic again until we move one day over to Frisco Square. Maybe we'll have that chat again. But, uh, but welcome to the auditorium, uh, and you're not a real bad guy or bad gal if you call it something else, but, but you're not very accurate biblically. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> joke. That was a joke. Okay, now I'm not going to say anything else about it. 
Uh, Okay, verse 5. Those are all the invitations to praise. And verse 5, he says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good. Why this singing? Why this shouting? Why this glad, instead of complaining, service? Why this knowing all these things? Because God is good. And when we gather, we gather every week. It's really obvious to us today as a church as we come to give thanks. But we gather every week saying, God is good. God is gracious. God is kind. He is not treating us as our sins deserve because he's treated Christ as our sins deserve. And he's welcomed us into his presence. God is good. And that is our history. We come with our minds stocked with memories and truths of how good God has been to us as a church. God has drawn people to our church. God has drawn us together as a church. God has raised up leaders in our church in all kinds of areas of our church. God has raised up small group leaders to care for people and to help facilitate community in the life of our church. God has granted us people with gifts. And one of the cool things about coming to this building is we found out gifts that we didn't even know existed I mean, the gift, Drew Ball, the gift of woodworking to put this together on the stage for us is not what he does for a living, and I don't think he's done anything like this before that I'm aware of. But gifts like that that come forth. God has blessed us with people with teaching gifts and mercy gifts, musical gifts and administrative gifts. God's gifted his people, prophetic gifts, drawn us together. We're just grateful for that. How good is God? Here's something God's done for us that is glorious. God has given us a a unity together as a people. And we're so grateful. You you can't manufacture that. You cannot manufacture that. It's a work of the Spirit. And certainly we've had folks and we've had our people have had differences. We've had differences along the way. Different things have happened in the life of the church. But God has helped people who've had differences to handle those in a biblical way with humility so that there's peacemaking. I mean, that is a precious thing. When people come together and there's not multiple agendas about to split the thing wide open, but people coming together and saying, Jesus is glorious. We just want to be here for him. We're going to leave the politics and all that stuff. Let's just come here and worship the Lord and grow together. And that has happened in an amazing way. And we're obligated to, as far as possible with us, Romans 12 says, to be at peace with all people. So we're called before the Lord to actively seek to cultivate peace together as people and to be unified together around the gospel. But the reality is that God maintains that as well, and God preserves us. So when I think about the unity, I don't start with, wow, the people sure are nice around here. We start because the people sure are human around here, and left to ourselves, there'll be a fist fight in the parking lot in the next 10 minutes. I mean, that's just the reality of life. That's not a suggestion, but that's what will happen Uh, that's what will happen left to ourselves. So God has birthed the unity here. Thank you, Lord, for that. He's done so many things. And then I think about this building, what this really means for us. I mean, at one level, it's just a structure, and we're the same people we were last week as a church. But I don't want so I don't want to overplay it, but I don't want to underplay it either because having our own facility allows us to do some things in ministry that we couldn't do before. Like, we have a place now that we can meet weekly for prayer. That's wonderful. So Pete said, this Thursday morning, whoever can come, we know it's early, but we thought it's before work, so 6.30 to 7.30, if you can come for some of that time, you're welcome to come. We're just going to be down in the conference room. We're going to pray for the church. We're going to pray for 
God to work powerfully here. We're going to recognize our need for him just to get up early and join with some folks and acknowledge that he is God and we need him will be a glorious exercise in itself. But we're going to pray. So we'd invite you to come to that. We have a place to do that. We have, a, we have a place to do our youth meetings now. You know, we used to do them in the school, and every time we met, I mean, we can't meet in a house because we have youth, uh, young, junior high, high school, parents are coming. So I don't know, people, what is it, 80 people come, 60, 100? How many people show up? 80 people. So we can't do that in somebody's house, not comfortably, not in, not in have unity at the end of the meeting, or at least not be invited back. So... So we have a place. I mean, when we were at the school, every time we did a youth meeting, it cost 600 bucks to rent the school for the evening. It's not going to cost that. So now we've got a spot to do our youth meetings. We've got a place where our worship team can practice. Uh, used to have to set everything up, pay a lot of money to, to do it over at the, at the school, but now we've got a place where they, can, where they can practice and do that sort of thing. We've got children's ministry spot. Thank you for your patience. And we're working, we're, you know, tweaking those rooms up a little bit over there. But thank you for your patience and, you know, putting your two-year-old on a gym floor for all this time that we've had over at Carroll Elementary School. But what a joy to have carpet on the floor for the children, you know, especially those that are learning to walk. And then we got carpet instead of that hard floor so that uh, folks aren't, you know, getting taken out, just toddling around. So thankful for a place to do our children's ministry. Um, thankful for a place that we can begin to do some other ministries we haven't been able to do because we haven't had a place to meet. So this spring we're going to be kicking off. You'll hear about this in your care group and maybe even some next Sunday morning. But uh, we're going to kick off some women's ministry things that we've been wanting to do. And um, now we have a place where ladies can get together bigger than, a, bigger than somebody's family room. We have a big spot for ladies to get together. So we're starting, the, uh, well, not we, they. I won't be there, but uh, they are starting uh, with doing some things in particular for young moms is what we're going to start with. We have some older moms bringing some equipping and some teaching for younger moms in the life of the church called Moms to Moms. And uh, we'll do more in terms of women's ministry. That's a, a segment of only a segment of women's ministry, but it's a big segment in our church and a big need. So we're going to start doing that, uh, and that'll start up in another month or a little bit more than that. So just opportunities. We have some things scheduled that we're planning to do to bring some marriage teaching on a non-Sunday context in here as well. So just lots of things we'll be able to do. That's just the goodness of God. God has been kind to us, and we're just really, really grateful for this facility and what it means for that. Um, And thinking about the goodness of God, that we show up here Sunday one, um, our first meeting here, and we have land donated so we don't owe a dime on it over in Frisco Square. I mean, to show up, to move from a school and have a place like this to meet, with our permanent facility at Maine and the Tollway over in Frisco Square, with that land sitting there and our name is, I mean, it's overwhelming. I, I just don't really have a category for that. So God has been very, very good to us. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord, celebrate the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever, verse 5. I mean, his, his love for us continues in Christ. He cares for us. His faithfulness to all generations. I love the way this psalm ends. Because it says, come together and everybody shout that you know God. He is glorious. He is worthy. He's the king of all the earth. So come recognizing the God who made us and the God who saved us. And here's the closing promise. His love endures forever. It looks to heaven. It's never changing. It's just beginning. We will experience the grace of God forever. We will see him face to face and we will know his love forever. If if you're a Christian here today. 
and his faithfulness to all generations. It's not just to the people sitting in the room. It's to your children God is going to be faithful. That's a good word to every parent in the room. To your children, God is going to be faithful. To your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. We, we hold those promises out before God and say, you are good. Lord, show your faithfulness to all generations, to all generations to come. So we come celebrating not only that God is good today. That'd be enough. Just that all our sins were forgiven and we're welcome before God and we know the God who created us today, that's enough. But it's far greater. He's saying, this is only the beginning. That love will never stop. That grace will never cease. His faithfulness is not coming to an end anytime soon. It's never coming to an end. He's good forever and ever and ever. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That is, he, he is coming for us that we may be with him forever. What a great psalm for the giving of thanks. Lord, thank you for all that you've done, but also thank you for all that you will do, and that for eternity. There is an appropriate way to respond in thanks to God, and this psalm gives it to us. With shouting, glad, serving, joyful, singing, mental acknowledging who he is and what he's done, entering, that is coming forward, coming to him with thanks, coming before him with praise and acknowledging he's good, he's loving, and he is faithful forever. Let's pray and let's sing. God, thank you for your greatness and your mercy. We see this psalm and we have so much to be thankful for today, Lord. We thank you, first of all, for those of us a part of Grace Church, we thank you for what's right in front of us, for the seats we sit on, for the, for the, uh, the heat we're experiencing, for the lights in this room, for a place to meet. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a spot from which to proclaim your gospel in Frisco and to see your people joined and gathered together. So we thank you for this, God. We thank you for what you've provided, what you've done. We thank you for uh, the material provisions that you've entrusted that were freely given so that we could buy this building. We thank you for the effort that went into uh, working on the construction process and the retrofitting to make this a facility suitable for a church. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you for our history as a church that you've built us and you've guarded us. And Lord, we are... Lord, we could wreck what you're doing in so many different ways, but you've just been gracious to us, and we thank you for that. And God, we want to thank you today most of all for Jesus Christ, for we're most excited today not about where we're worshiping. We're most excited about who we're worshiping today. It is you, and so we sing, and we shout, and we pray, and we speak, and we say you are good Your love endures forever, your faithfulness to all generations. And Lord, we now want to sing as we close, Lord. We want to obey this psalm. We want to bring our hearts, and we want to respond to you in joy today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit www.gracechurchfrisco.org.